guess it's fair to say, Matt, that back at episode one, if I'd said to you, do you know what I reckon is going to be a thing? Pastry stouts. (laughs) (laughs) What's that? (laughs) Exactly. With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt has been bringing you the world's best local and imported malts. They are your premium brewing partner and they are proud supporters of Brews News. And this is Good Brews Week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum. And, well, as we're recording this, it is Anzac Day 2019. And uh, it gives me great, great pleasure to welcome Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. Uh, uh, yeah, what is the word? I won't make you a happy um, no, no, Anzac Day, but a, a solemn Anzac yeah. Day to you, um, Pete. Um, it, it is important to commemorate, and I would like to, I guess, uh, invite all of our listeners who are listening. It, it might be this afternoon, it might be Friday, it might be on the weekend, the next uh, beer that you have. Um, perhaps just raise that in honour of those who um, felt that... Uh, Making the greatest sacrifice was uh, worthwhile to make this the best country in the world and so that you can drink the sorts of beers that we like yabbering on about. I'll tell you what, Prof, on, on that, um, yeah, a moment's quiet reflection because I, I've, I've been, as I've been sitting here going through the show notes in preparation for uh, us talking about it, I've had to listen to the news coverage of all of the uh, politicians yep, 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 overreaching. Every service. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it, it, it's funny. I've been going to, you know, taking active interest in um, dawn services, yeah, for yeah, thirty odd years, and you listen to it, to how ANZAC services have changed since, um, you know, ANZAC. That we still had not an abundance, but we still had a good contingent of the original ANZACs. To when you know there was the last handful, to when there are none. Left. Alec Campbell. Alec Campbell was the last. Yes, um, but the, the the politician speeches have become you know ever more f- overreaching in terms of trying to wring every last minute of um, relevance out out of the day. When you know, to, to me, the importance of the day is that two minutes of you know reflection. Where you know, I, I tend to sort of you know, my mind goes to the memorials and just thinks of those names um, and. A quiet reflection, um, as opposed to try and uh, over over uh, you know ring become overwrought about about the day because it is an important day, but one that we should actually remember the people, not anything else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was I was lucky enough to um, while we we're over on our our Adelaide road trip, we spent a day in uh, McLaren Vale, and they have a they have a really really nice little um, war memorial there. And it's funny because you you walk down what what's essentially still you know the original main street. Some of the buildings are you know are heritage listed and, and beautiful and old, but the, there are a lot of new ones there. But you look at the names on the uh, on the cenotaph, and you and if you can picture those as rather than you know second lieutenant this and major this and private first class that, it's more about. That was probably, you know, one of the winemakers. That was you know, uh, the, me- the local mechanic. That was the baker. That yep. was, and, and you can imagine just sort of turning up and thinking, you know, looking down your main street and seeing, you know, what, what each, um, even just, you know, small towns had lost. Um, you know, it, it was, it was. we talk about, you know, we throw terms around like, you know, Australia's best and brightest. But, but this, you know, it, it, was, it was a whole generation. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think it's important that we, we acknowledge that um, – the sacrifices that were made, uh, not because war is great and we, you know, wanted to come back 
heroes with medals on our chests, but because, you know, there was just a, an honest belief that, and remembering too, that every one of the original Anzacs were, were volunteers. There were no, we didn't have an army at that stage. So they all you know, put their hand up and said, yep, um, th this is not the way to, um, you know, solve your uh, diplomatic problems. Um, and we'll, we'll stand up against tyranny in all its forms. And, you know, to this day, and I didn't realise at our, our local um, dawn service this morning, the MC mentioned, oh, the, the, the guest speaker who was a, a serving member of the Australian Army mentioned that there are still today, as we stand here, you know, well, as, you, as you and I sit here drinking coffee, but as perhaps our listeners stand around drinking a beer and sharing a beer, um, Australian troops are still stationed in uh, on active service in Afghanistan. And that's mm. 18, 18 years now. Mm. So that's that's the longest um, the longest uh, action that Australian troops have, have been involved in, as in the you know the longest continuous. I'd not actually been made aware of that. Um, no, so I didn't. It's I interesting. Didn't, I didn't know that until this morning. One of the things I like to do, Prof, because I, I um, uh, a few years ago now, but I had I was very lucky to have a freelance writing gig writing for a car. Um, uh, I remember it well. Yeah, and uh, you know for three well, years where we had one of our first beers together. We, we did yes, at, but at the now the now defunct bureau. Yes, yeah, that, that's that's very true. Um, it, it, that was actually a great idea that was ahead of its time. But anyway, um, but I used to sort of get thrown the keys to a brand new car and do a three day travel assignment. Um, for, for, it was a Lexus for, uh, that, that time. Yeah, we're not the ABC, so I, I guess I can throw <laughs> it in. I, I just sort of thought we should, if they're sponsor, you know, if we're going to mention their name, they should be paying for it anyway. But it was a, and, and you know, so for twelve weeks, uh, every twelve weeks, they'd throw me the keys to a new. Um, Lexus and say, you know, where do you want to go? Um, you know, somewhere with a, a nice tourism thing. And whenever we drive past every little town, you know, and even in the middle of nowhere, um, you would find these war memorials. And I would always, uh, we would always pull up and just sort of have a bit of a look at it. And uh, because I was traveling with a photographer, I'd get him to, to, to photograph them. And uh, when we came back, I'd always just sort of grab a name at random um, from one of the, the memorials. And you can go to the uh, war memorial website and actually download yeah, Australian the Australian War Memorial has the full archive um, documentation still. Scanned, yeah. So if you've got a relative and you can often find a photo, um, and I found like I've got a like a my great grandfather's second cousin, um, you know, served and it was a bit of a family thing that he was uh, killed in France. And uh, yeah, and you, you're able to find a photo um, of, of him just by, uh, by searching them. But yeah, you know, I would just sort of choose a name at, at random from one of the memorials and type that name in and then read that person's service history. And that was my little way of, um, you know, not forgetting. Well, it's, it's commemorating. Yeah, that's, that, and that's, that's exactly the point. And that's why I, I guess I wanted to, um, in a way, you know, dedicate this episode to uh, all our servicemen past and present who, um, yeah, I, it, it's not about, you know, glorifying war. It's not about, you know, sort of, uh, you know, looking at the, the runs on the board and all that sort of thing, the scoreboard. Um, it, it is about not forgetting um, that, you know, what we've got today is in large part, uh, and you look you look around the world. I tell you what, <laughs> for all the whinging about it, it's um, we're on a pretty good wicket. We are. So anyway, thank you for your service to everyone that has served and is serving. That uh, we raise a beer to each and every one of you. And Matt, let's get into the headlines. Brewery openings plummet by ninety eight percent as the UK nears peak craft beer. So this this week we saw that the UK's craft beer boom has significantly slowed, with only eight new breweries opening in the past year compared to three hundred and ninety the year before. Everything's relative, isn't it? I don't think it's, um, yeah, 
we don't need to man the battlements and we don't need to sort of the, the ship is sinking uh, because brewery openings plummet. I, I think it's probably not a bad thing that only eight have, have opened. It's a good thing. We've got eight new breweries in the UK. Yeah, it, and, and it's, it's it's funny how um, the, the well, it, actually, this isn't even mainstream media. This is drinks media, but it's it's funny how the media work, where the headline is essentially designed to be clickbait. Um, it's designed to hype a story and get you reading on it because most uh, websites, you know, generate traffic through doing that. And if you if you click, even if you then go oh, bullshit. Um, they, they've got the click. Um, we try not to do that on, on Brews News. Um, no, you'll never that... you'll never click into an interesting looking story only to see start slideshow. Yeah, no, stick <laughs> your slideshow up your own. But uh, but yeah, anyway, and and so you read that is UK nearing peak craft beer, which to me sounds like there's you know a huge number of closings. The bubble's about to burst. Um, and and it, it was like it was reported in in my news feed. I saw about 40 or 50 different interpretations, all, you know, doom and gloom. When it was actually, to me, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how the US was still having, in in the the last reported period, a thousand openings, you know, which was, I think, uh, you know, seventh of the total number still open in the last year. Um, This isn't. This seems to be... um, the UK market is rationalising, or not, not, not even rationalising because that would be closing, but is moderating its hype and enthusiasm faster than the US. Um, whereas, yeah, um, the number of openings has slowed down, which to me might be a harbinger. They, they're actually ahead of the curve in terms of um, moderating the enthusiasm for, for, for new breweries um, before even the US um, which was, yeah, which was an interesting, uh, interesting thing to see. So I don't, I, I don't know that we've seen any signs that, that there's a problem, that there's going to be a washout in, in, in the UK, um, and this is just a slow, slowing of openings. Um, over and, and I think it does point to the fact that, as we've discussed in, just in the last few episodes, we're increasing the number of breweries. We're not necessarily increasing the number of outlets. We're not necessarily increasing the number of taps, and we're certainly not necessarily super growing at the same rate the number of new drinkers coming across to inverted commas craft. Um, yes. But, but this year, only eight. Eight, which well, to, to sorry, me... In the past year. Yeah, shows hype is not driving new openings, but un- until we start seeing, uh, you know, the numbers falling back, that's when you would start, some, you know, um, saying that we've reached peak beer and past peak beer. Yeah. Our, um, the Australian market obviously seems to be a little bit different as our next headline suggests that craft beer takes hold in the suburbs. Yeah, a nice little story. Um, we were just sort of looking at craft beer is very much an urban thing, and you know a lot of the craft breweries are in a opening. lot of places. It's an inner urban. In 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 in, in, in well, isn't it's that urban... kind of cool suburb outside of the. Well, when you talk about it, there, there aren't too many places. Certainly not comparable to the the US, where in the in the CBD you'll have multiple breweries that you know all within walking distance. Uh, in Melbourne, certainly, there are Urban Alley is probably the closest, and that's sort of on the edge of, of Docklands. Uh, Hopscotch, which is only a, a very small brew house, is is within the CBD. But you've then got to go to you know Collingwood, Brunswick East, the you know that that next ring of of suburbs before you really sort of get into the um, the cluster of you know brew pubs and okay because that, that's interesting because brisbane does have like the, the the cbd itself the you know the inner city business district doesn't have any but you know would you, fallon's count as 
CBD, or is that still the uh, edge? Because um, again, it's it's hard because the, the the river divides Brisbane in so many different places and, and geographic yeah, well, different well, the, sort of. The, the, the CBD angles. has always been regarded as the um, riverside centre. Um, which because you've got the financial precinct, you know, sort of around to QUT Parliament House, then to the law courts, which are down at North Quay, um, and then, you know, to, to the valley um, boundary with the CBD. And then, you know, but the Fortitude Valley is has always been, you know, it's where the Chinatown was always. And yep, yep. You, you, you st- it had a grungy um, feeling to it that was... In a which was city, but not yeah, central it was a business. Little, a little bit Fitzroy Street, St Kilda, a little bit Hindley Street, Adelaide, yeah. Rundle Mall. But but I would I would count that as urban because then you've got the suburbs, which were always the um, you know where you sort of had more standalone houses as opposed to high rise houses. Yeah. Kind of thing. So yeah, so Brisbane's probably got a few more um, inner city. So felons, I would count that as being inner city these days, um, and and urban, but not CBD. Um, so, uh, and, and, you know, we've got Soapbox, there are quite a few down in the, the Valley, um, uh, Tenerife, uh, Newstead area, which are all, I would consider urban, um, areas in Brisbane. Yep. But yeah, so, so, uh, we, we just took a little bit of a look and, you know, Rouse Hill, which is a good 45 minutes, um, I'd imagine if you don't have any traffic, um, from the Sydney CBD and the Australian brewery was always one of those breweries that it was a big, pub that built a brewery and you know was in 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 many ways a you know very forward thinking because it's something we've talked about in recent podcasts that a lot of craft breweries aren't actually you know particularly the ones that have a uh, like a major turnover in their tap room um, I think that they're making the mistake of seeing themselves as breweries when perhaps they are actually you know a a new variation of the, the the pub um, you know, they are the meeting place, the place where you can have a social beer, um, whereas a lot of pubs have actually become pokies den, you know, have become mini casinos or, you know, fairly soulless um, saloons. Um, and the, the Australian Hotel, whilst it's, it's fairly big on the, you know, on, 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 very much even on the suburban fringe, um, the outer suburban fringe, um, you know, had a brewery and it was, it was fairly early days. And uh, when we were looking around at others, um, Two Brothers, which is now 11 years old, um, was another one that was well outside of that inner city metropolitan bubble. Um, and, you know, it, it's doing quite well as well. So, yeah, just an interesting to see that and to, to see that the uh, craft beer um, uh, market is is getting out sustainably, um, and that can only be a good thing as we're you know, looking at the sustainability of uh, craft beer. We need to find new markets, and it's not just, uh, you know, and we'll, we'll probably get emails, but the, the easiest shorthand way to describe it is inner-city hipsters. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm not hipsters. singling anybody out um, with that <laughs> comment. And, of course, Matt doesn't like to single anybody out, but if there was somebody to... <laughs> To single out, and Greg Cook wasn't available. It would possibly be James Watt. Um, Brewdog this week, Matt, we learned uh, cashing in on the haze craze by no longer filtering, and I'll use inverted commas, although they didn't, um, no longer filtering punk IPA. They are using a centrifuge, though. Yeah, look, and... and, and which, which is a way of filtering? Um, our Facebook group, um, you know, a fantastic uh, Facebook group, and uh, that it's sort of continues to grow. 
And I would commend it to to our listeners that if you do want to just sort of you know keep in contact with Pete and I, or you want to share stuff with us, it's a it has proved to be a, a great idea. Um, but Daniel Massey just shared this. It was from the Brewdog blog um, because that radically transparent uh, group um, <laughs> called Brewdog um, posts everything that you could possibly want to know about them. Um, and one of the ones is that they're no longer filtering. Um, Punk IPA, they're uh, centrifuging it. Um, and initially, I thought, oh, okay, that, that, that's interesting um, that they're doing that. But it, it it of itself wasn't necessarily a huge story that um, you know we've covered Brewdog a fair bit um, in in the last couple of weeks. But it was when I, I, I kept it in the show notes because overnight I saw that Jeff Alworth, who is who is rapidly becoming another name check friend of the show. We're either going to have to get him on or start paying him something. <laughs> we will. Um, actually, just as a complete side, um, they talked about uh, Jeff, and I'm trying to think of his Bivana podcast co-host, um, had been to Jamaica and had come back with a can of Red Stripe and they had a test. And essentially they were talking about the Bintang effect. Um, but without calling it the Bintang effect, it was for them. They, they didn't call it the Red Stripe effect, but they were talking the lo- about... The location beer effect. Lo- location beer effect, yeah. And uh, so that they had quite a riff on, on that, so I commend that podcast to you. Um, but he, he posted overnight an article um, that was headlined, How Hazy's Stopped Ballast Point. Now, last week we talked about Ballast Point and how Constellation Brands bought it for a billion dollars back in... 20- how much, Matt? Uh, and thank you to James uh, <laughs> Davidson. For that was a cracker. That, considering, yeah, he said he said it downplayed his uh, Photoshop skills, and uh, but just even the research to find those two appropriate photos of you and I. Um, My girls just shook their head. <laughs> said you're an idiot, Dad. I said I didn't do it. I didn't do it. It was done for us. But uh, yes, yeah, so, so a billion, um, uh, a billion dollars back in 2015, 2016, 2016. I think. Yep. yep. Uh, Jeff Alworth makes a point that that was at the height of the fruit IPA craze, um, you know, and Ballast Point, you know, with their uh, Sculpin um, was, you know, very much the lead. It was growing quickly. Um, and, you know, at that, that time it looked like uh, they were, Ballast Point was, was doing very well. But how quickly trends roll through um, you know, Hazy suddenly became the, the new fruit IPA. And so it's a very interesting article that you'll find in the show notes where he wonders whether had it would have been a, a, a good purchase had it not been for Hazy IPA killing fruit IPA and therefore damaging the Ballast Point brand. It's interesting, isn't it, how when we started doing this podcast, however many years ago now, 220-odd episodes ago, uh, if we sort of mused about, you know, what the next big trend might have been, um, I think we might have even quoted Sam Caligione as saying, yeah, the next big trend after IPA will be IPA and then IPA, <laughs> then daylight, then more IPA. And I guess in a way that's still the case. Um, but I don't think we would have factored in the the growing popularity of things like sours. Um and I know I kind of you know, wish and doesn't make it so, but um, I was really hoping, and I'm very pleased to see that um, interesting lagers and pilsners are uh, sort of making a bit of a, a run at the the finish tape as well. 
Yeah, and look, uh, the, God, there's, there's so much just in that little uh, comment there, uh, Prof, because, yeah, I mean, IPAs were the, the big thing, and sours are, and as I think we've said on the show recently, um, I, I, I think one of the things about those two styles are you just have to pick up a IPA and you get it because the hops are so obvious um, that, that you get it um, and you know, because it's a trend, you're willing to acquire that taste. And sours are the same. You know, there's no subtlety to most of the kettle sours that we're picking up. It is, you know, sour lollies. Bam, I get this straight away. So you don't have to sort of wonder, you know, some of the wheat beers or particularly uh, Belgian wheat beers, when I've pulled those out at um, corporate tastings, I've had people go, oh, this reminds me a little bit of bad homebrew or reminds me a little bit of homebrew which you can understand what they're saying because there's a there's a subtlety to the yeastiness of those beers that it can be a feature or if you're a home brewer trying to make a clean lager is a fault but it's but both of those are, are like a, a yeast characters um, there's no confusion with a, a kettle sour straight away you know what it is straight away with an IPA um, but I, I, I think it is the maturity of the, the beer industry that you know people are starting to come back to more balanced beers because the excitement and hype is starting to wash out of the industry. Particularly, if, you know, if, if you got yeah. into craft beer, you know, the first thing again, I, I think that classic journey that most people get on. They try an American pale ale, go, "Gee, how good is this? This is interesting. This is different." Try an IPA, and which is the next step up. It's a big. Um, bold beer um, and then you go on your journey chasing you know you become an extremophile and then suddenly someone gives you like a great pilsner and you go oh gee you know i really like this yeah yeah exactly i had a where did i have it uh, i had a, just a munich hells um while i was in adelaide and it was just a joy it was just an absolute joy yep this is this is just spot on this is this is just what it's supposed to taste like, because I wasn't comparing it to you know, an unfiltered punk IPA or. A, I guess it's fair to say, Matt, that back at episode one, if I'd said to you, do you know what I reckon's going to be a thing? Pastry stouts. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? <laughs> exactly. So yeah, and, and like pastry stouts and you know dessert IPAs, you know like you know all all of that sort of stuff. Um, and but but geez, I mean when I went back when I first started doing tastings with Ian Watson, you know, 15, 16 years ago. Um, you had the American Pale Ale, which was the beer that every brewery launched with, um, and that created a lot of excitement. People could taste there was something a little bit different. But I you know, I would have been backing that, you know, this this massive, um, you know, invention phase that brewers have gone through over the last, you know, seven, eight years, just you, you couldn't conceive even of that. But I saw that the way that the beer industry would change would be, you know, we would have a much greater focus on, you know, better bar service, glassware, um, you know, looking at how we serve our beers. Um, but, you know, that really just hasn't happened. Um, except, you know, glassware, there is talk about glassware um, and glassware is a big focus of it. But to my way of thinking, if you go to most um, 
bars. They're still serving standard pot and schooner glasses that are maybe given a little bit of a modern zhuzh, bit of a tweak, so the shape is fundamentally the stackable, unbreakable um, look, but is still functionally the same thing. And then you've got pint glasses. Um, and the only unless, place- unless you go to Adelaide, Matt, as I discovered. Why? So, what, what have they got there? Order a schooner, you get a pot. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, if you order a schooner, you've got to order a pint. They're they're a great, um, and some of them still have uh, still have butchers. Yeah, well, they're, they're a great. You know, that, that's fading out and becoming more standard across. You know, with social media and you know the, the ease of communication, you don't have those regional differences um, the way that we once did. Yeah, unless you try to order potato cakes in the fish and chip shop. <laughs> not a potato cake it's not a bakery mate <laughs> it's not a potato cake it's a scallop oh, don't even start me <laughs> anyway um but yeah so so glassware hasn't changed drastically in trade the only place that it's really changed is you know what people are drinking from home and i'm convinced that's only when they're photographing their beer um and that's when you get your uh you know can shaped um glass or your you know your, your spiegelau ipa glass um which is purely. Which, of a... course, you only photograph when it's broken. <laughs> well, there no, should I... be a website just for just for uh, broken IPA, which, of course, is not an IPA glass. It's not an IPA glass. It is just it was, a. It's originally a, a wine, a wine tasting wine glass. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, but yeah. So sorry, to, sorry to burst your bubble there, uh, beer God, nerds. How, how, how do we get onto this? We were talking about uh, how Hazy stopped. Uh, um, Ballast Point. Ballast Point Fruit IPAs. And, uh, yeah, so... Um, and did, now did... Um, <laughs> no, go on. Did, did you want to... Oh, no, did, there was nothing... Did you, see, did you see a comment made by James Watt from, oh, from Brewdog? Sorry, yes, yes. I, I, well, <laughs> well seems, He says, referring to his notes where... Okay, Matt's had a James, crack at that. He's that, flogged that, that off. Oh, right, James Watt. It's not even in the notes, but, yeah, there was just... Yeah, it's we, in we, mine. I, I wasn't going to talk about James Watt. But, <laughs> you were... We yeah. talked about this. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, yes, <laughs> well, listeners. No, we weren't going to talk about this. Go on, Matt. I, we talked about it off mic, but I was quite what, happy what to move on. would you like to say spontaneously off the cuff? Well, no. But, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I've given you the biggest, juiciest lob. You're at the net. Uh, well, I didn't want to go on about James Watt. But anyway, uh, because but seeing you've raised it, um, I don't want it to be an inside joke. Uh, yeah, I, I was quite fascinated to see that uh, midweek. Um, we did talk last week about uh, how uh, Carlsberg was reinventing, and we'll come to Carlsberg in just a second. But one of the things that they did was they, their campaign was based around reading, the brewers reading mean tweets about Carlsberg, um, which... I, I dropped it into the uh, Facebook page just of saying, you know, how original is this? And I was referring to the fact that, I mean, I can't think of the first time I saw reading mean, tweet, mean tweets, but I think it might have been a late night. Like a tonight, I think Jimmy Fallon Jimmy might have, Fallon. Where he had uh, Hollywood stars. Hollywood who, stars who reading mean, mean tweets, tweets. Yeah. And, and that went back, I mean, that goes back six or seven years, I think, or, or even further. Easily. Um, which, again... And he may not have been the first one to do it, but he was the one that really, um, to my... Contemporised it. Yeah, or, or yeah, made it a, a, a thing. And then I remember a couple of years ago, Brewdog doing the same thing and me thinking, come on, guys, let's not pretend that you've uh, you know reinvented anything. Um, and so anyway, James, uh, what did tweet during the week, um, a, a bit of a uh, shit can of Carlsberg 
you know, essentially saying, you know, why don't you acknowledge that we were the first to read out um, main tweets? Um, but it, it was even done at the AIBAs a couple of years ago, wasn't it, Prof? Uh, there was a I video. Think, I of, think, yeah, yeah, I think the uh, the post project video five years ago now might have been uh, brewers reading out tweets, and it, it was I'm, you know I'm a brewer. Yep, it was, it was sort of along those lines, I think. So, not not. I don't think we did mean tweets from memory. Mean tweets, okay, but yeah, and so so Carlsberg's done it, and then you've got James Watt um, having the gall to you know <laughs> claim it as an original idea uh, with predictable results. Fortunately, you know um, there were a lot of people who were pointing out that it wasn't original, um, and I did have to stop myself from because he then finished the tweet by asking a couple of questions of Carlsberg about the recipe of their new beer. And I did have to stop myself from responding and sort of saying, maybe they're not as radically transparent as you, James. Um, good luck getting a question. But while I've got your attention, how about you answer my questions? Um, I'm Matt, growing a up bit of a follow-up yeah. from last week. Carlsberg. <laughs> Carl, well, yes. Uh, so speaking of Carlsberg um, and mean tweets, I did ask, because we did have a bit of a discussion about what the formulation was, so I did ask about it. Um, so for those who missed last week's episode, Carlsberg uh, are doing a, both a name and a recipe change in the UK. Well, um, that, that's the thing. That, that it had media headlines because it was Carlsberg was, which has always been probably the best beer in the world, or arguably the best beer in the world, probably. Prob- well, probably. As Phil Sharp um, from the RNA posted on our Radio Bruce News, Facebook group page, uh, a picture of a coaster going Probably back a little while. Probably the best beer in the world. The yes. the in the world Carlsberg. So that, that was their tagline. Because in, in the face of declining sales, um, you know, they, they took what is a really brave move um, from a business sense in, in that you can either try and cling on and change your marketing and watch it decline in the face of, you know, decline um, and the, the way that, for example, VB did. Um, and then when they changed it, they, you know, you can sort of see what happens when in the face of decline, you do something that's a little bit too radical. Um, and Broke can, the rule of three. And you can hasten the decline. Where in this case, Carlsberg has uh, changed it. So it made international headlines. And so we postulated last week, it'll be interesting. But when I asked questions about when the recipe, you know, as Cooper's been given the new recipe, I, I got the answer. The UK's Carlsberg brew has always been brewed exclusively for the taste of UK drinkers. A new recipe has been introduced together with new packaging and a range of sustainability innovations. This is a UK specific situation and is not the case in other markets. We are very satisfied with the quality and performance of Carlsberg Pilsner in other markets, including Australia, and hence we will not change the recipe. Um, so, of course, I um, have followed up with questions asking, well, what is the difference between the flavour profile of UK Carlsberg and Australian Carlsberg? Because, and also, do you think consumers would be surprised to find out that there are different Carlsbergs in different markets, given the advertising and the branding is consistent across all of those markets? So I haven't had a response to that yet. So there may even be a week three follow up to that one. And... Uh, then I said, um, will we see the same marketing campaign rolled out here? Carlsberg globally is on a journey and very soon, including Australia, Carlsberg will be a little bit different. This is not a relaunch. It represents a moment within a constant reappraisal and, re- and refinement of all aspects of the Carlsberg brand, its products, packaging and behaviour. It is what our founder, JC Jacobson, would have demanded back then. And it is what we must demand of ourselves today and again tomorrow when there will be another chance to do things better. These changes will be fully supported in Australia with a media campaign throughout social and digital platforms and cinema, which is scheduled for later this year. 
So, Prof, um, I think we actually have our uh, name of our episode. What does it mean? A constant reappraisal <laughs> and, uh, and refinement <laughs> of all aspects of the Bruce Hughes brand. That might be a little bit long. but um, It could be. So, uh, how, about, how about we just call it J.C. Jacobson's Hat? <laughs> because remember, the Carlsberg Brewery was founded upon, and, and we should point out, uh, for those not of a scientifically technical bent, that the two main uh, chief strains of brewing yeast are the Saccharomyces calbergensis. Mm-hmm. And well, that's because Saccharomyces- it was isolated by, by the Carlsberg, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah by- well... But, but didn't he? Didn't he um, have well, a no, specially, especially fitted hat? They had a famous uh, chemist who wasn't actually Jakobsen, I think. That's right. But he was like under Jakobsen's orders to go to Germany and pinch some yeast and bring it back in his hat. Or maybe Jakobsen brought it back in his hat um, and said, "But then they right, had, yeah, tell was, me, tell yeah, me about this." Yeah. Um, Look at it in that newfangled microscope thing. And isolate, yeah. And, and that's where the strain was actually isolated. But well, maybe, yeah, maybe we can uh, dig into that a little bit more. Um, I'm sure I guarantee that one of, our, one of our listeners will, uh, will know. Mm. Let's jump into the mailbag, shall we? Uh, now, don't forget to review us on iTunes, or you can send us an email to be in the draw for the letter of the week, or you can also send us, as many of our listeners have, uh, a little bit of a, either a story or a comment on our new Facebook group. Uh, if you haven't joined yet, when you are prompted, uh, the answer to the secret question, or the secret answer to the question, is soapbox. All letter writers will receive, of course, a Bruise News bottle opener and go into the draw to win a mixed six-pack thanks to our good friends at Beer Cartel, who are very kindly sponsor our Letter of the Week. Some or more of those beers, or one or many of those beers, may also contain, Matt, or be wrapped in a label from Rellings, Labels and Stickers. And we do thank them for also sponsoring the podcast. Give them a call on 1300 852 235 to discover a more efficient way to get your small batch canning labels done. Uh, Matt, kick us off in the mailbag. Uh, yeah, uh, Michael Morgan uh, from our Facebook group. Now, Michael is the Western Australian rep for Other Side Brewing um, and has been a regular correspondent. Um, but he just sort of shared with the Facebook group, waiting for my wife yesterday, I did a run through BWS. Mostly I go through cans and look at what dates are on them, uh, best before, packed on, etc. cetera, uh, which I have to uh, admit is one of my favourite pastimes as well. Um, <laughs> they must love you down at your, your local Uncle Dan's. It's that bloke who looks at the bottom of all their cans, <laughs> tipping all the cans up. I reckon he's just shaking them up. <laughs> Well, you know, it, it just fuels my sense of uh, righteous indignation whenever I find 12-month-old stone. But anyway. Before you, before you do finish this off too, I've got to say, um, I'm disappointed with the number of beers I've found that no labelling whatsoever. Yes. Sorry, they're labelled, but they're, they're, there isn't a, an easily readable, legible, uh, if it exists at all, uh, best before or packed on date. Which is something that will be changed because BWS is obviously the uh, part of the Uncle Dan's uh, in you know, Endeavour Drinks um, group. And part of Woolworths, yeah, so owned by Woolworths. That is something that will be changing and our good friend uh, Dermot O'Morda, um is is the quality manager and actually we probably should have another chat with Dermot at some stage um, just to sort of follow up on this because uh, I know that he's been very, very focused on beer quality, particularly in the wake of... Um, exploding cans um, and and those sorts of things. He works very closely behind the scenes with brewers. um, And his expectation is, you know, brewers always tell you the big house wants 12 months best before on the beers. And that's just simply not true. 
Um, they want you to understand your beers and how they perform in the market and put a reasonable um, best before date on. Um, but of course, because you know th- there is a problem once you stamp a best before date on, people don't want to buy it as it gets within a month or two. So even if it's three months and your beer is only four weeks old, um, it can still be younger and fresher than a beer that's got nine months age on it but still has three months um, best before because people don't know it. But at the same time, he wants brewers to know um, their product in, in market. So we might have a, a bit of a chat to him, so I'm not putting words in his mouth. No, 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 we'll get him online. Will I go back to the letter? Go. Um, I, I find the conversation around this to be such an interesting one. You may have heard, I know I have in the past breweries state that to get range in the Nationals, I have to put a 12 month, there you go, 12 month best before. Um, just slap that down, yep. Yep. Uh, weirdly, I had never noticed before and super happy to see that our good mates at Bolter put a six-month best before date on all their cans, including what hits BWS. They also hit a packed-on date, um, put a packed-on date, which I'm a massive advocate for and help with educating consumers. Um, cheers. Spot on, Michael. And particularly when those two things are put together. So when, when people can look and they go, oh, okay, BB, okay, that'll be best before, and then it's got a packed date. So you can kind of see, okay, so that's how literally how old it is. Yep. You can you can assume that it's you know it's been cool stored at the brewery until uh, you know the pallet was enough pallets ready to go on the truck or whatever. So you can make your own determination. Yep. Which again, spot on, Michael. It's it's all about educating the consumer, and the more information we can give them in a simple format, and a slightly easier to read version would be great. Um, the, the better off we'll be. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, go and have a look at the photo. He, uh, Michael included a photo in the Facebook group. So join the Facebook group and you can just see the, the can. And I'm a huge supporter for that as well, Prof. And I think, you know, a, a best, a, a packed on date um, without a best before date is only half the answer. Um, it tells you how old it is. And, you know, so I think it's, it is a useful tool. But a best before date without any other information about how long your best before date is just you know, it, it, it is a cop-out um, for, for a lot of brewers. And it, it, it's one of those things that unless everybody does it, um, the market will default to the uh, worst practice because it, it, it actually does take... Because um, it just will. Well, yeah, because if everybody's not doing it or if people are hiding behind their, you know, whether intentionally or just... Um, ipso, you know, ipso facto hiding behind uh, bad practice, then every, it, it's a, it, it creates a gravity on everybody else to adopt that same practice. Yep. And next one is from uh, James Davidson in our Facebook group. and Another active you, uh, contributor. Contributor. And Matt, I hope that we can uh, impose on Joe in this week, you know, as a birthday gift from her to us perhaps, um, to post James's um, Photoshop picture of you and I. In the, in the show notes? No, no, join the um, – it, it's in the Facebook group. Go, oh, go and okay. look at it there. Yeah, so okay. – You've got to go and join to see it. Because but, you, I, I, the way that they need to go – and it's like, no, I'm not trying to, you know, uh, shoehorn people into the, the Facebook group, but if we put it on the site, a lot of people still never – you know, they can listen to the podcast and never go to the site anyway. So either – and it doesn't display in their podcast reader. Um, photos don't display there. So oh, either way, yeah, yeah. we're forcing somebody to go somewhere um, and, you know... Actually, we don't, want to, we don't yeah. want to force anyone to do anything. Well, we probably should force them to the website because that becomes like clickbait and it puts <laughs> our numbers up and so we can charge more for our advertising. No, 
Um, go, go, see, go see it on the on the Facebook group. Join the Facebook James group. James Davidson, he's joined our Facebook group, and he says, on the brief, overly speculative discussion of the gender bias study mentioned um, in this week's Good Brews Week, which was last week's, as too often the case when scientific studies hit the mainstream media, the wider conversation about this study has barely scratched the surface of it and lead to misguided assumptions and um, unhelpful ranting. Uh, well, I don't have access to the full text and therefore can't see what the funding sources <laughs> of the study were. Well, while we're speaking about... Uh, um, preemptive speculation and full disclosure uh, the first point that many people are missing is that this study was not just about beer hence to suggest this has anything to do with just mainstream beer is silly the purpose of the study was to quote develop and evaluate a theory of status belief transfer the process by which gender status beliefs differentially affect the evaluations of products made by men and women unquote classic postgrad work a develop uh, develop a theory and test it uh, and he finishes by saying, uh, but the mainstream media has turned it into no one likes being made by women and all the true context is lost. Thanks for that, James. Yeah, look, I'm just going to comment on that because I think in James's defense, he does raise a very good point. Mainstream media does fuck up most scientific studies um, and lifts That's why it's one... dying. Yeah. That's why nobody reads papers anymore. Nobody trusts it. But um, And that is very, very true. And knowing that that is a um, fact... Um, I, you know, and I hadn't gone to, to the source um, thing um, when, when we uh, talked about it last week. And so there was a bit of speculation what we did. Um, but I, I still don't think we overreach. We were just discussing the independent media. And I did qualify it by saying I haven't read the, the study and I don't know what it is, but I find it a little bit hard. Go back to, to last week's show notes, listeners, yep. if you're not sure, um, to get the basically, we talked about the gender bias study. Uh, so if, if somebody's told that a beer is perhaps is made by a male brewer and this one's made by a female brewer, that they will uh, naturally gravitate towards preferring the one brewed by the male brewer. Yeah, um, but, but it, uh, our discussion wasn't on the study itself. But when I went no. back to the the, the study that James um, highlighted, um, I, I actually don't think that the media got it terribly wrong. Um, they didn't use the the, the, the social jargon, the, the you know the research jargon that the abstract referred to, but. The takeaway from it, I think they looked at um, beer brewed by women and cupcakes made by women from memory, um, but they did look at products and see whether there was a difference in the way that they were view viewed. Um, and whilst the mainstream media has seized on beer, because beer is one of those topics that if, you know, if you can, everyone drinks beer, they want clickbait. If you can throw beer into a headline these days, you're going to get more traffic. Um and that's just the, the, that's just the, the, the truth of it. So they did seize on the, the beer aspect of it. But whilst the study was looking at products made by women were had a lower percept value perception than products made by men, um, beer was one of those products that was actually looked at. And they, the, the findings were that, uh, the, the preliminary findings were that beer was less valued if it was made by women. And um, so the, the, the price in the media was fair um, I, I, I think that the point that I made is I can't believe that. You know, I, I, I would like to meet the knuckleheads who actually think that if that is the case. Um, and I stand by that because anyone who holds those views just needs to uh, have a look at themselves. A good hard look at themselves. Mm. Uh, listen, uh, one more that, we're, uh, that I want to make mention from our Radio Brews News Facebook uh, group um, <laughs> was uh, it was posted on the 16th of of April, and it's it's titled "What to Put in This Week's Brews News Week," 
And then uh, is this now, in the Facebook group? A GIF or a GIF? Uh, oh, don't start. I know that. I know the person. Yeah, it's 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 supposed to be GIF, but I think everyone calls them GIFs. So I'll have to check yeah. in with uh, Luke Robertson, who I'll be catching up with during Good Beer Week, and I'm we'll just double check that one. What it is that you're talking about? Uh, well, you've, you're the only one who commented. Um, it was posted by Joe. Oh, right. And, it, okay. and it's got somebody who I'm assuming is from Maths Bachelor in Paradise Kitchen Rules Group, one of those. <laughs> oh, sorry, yes, Joe. <laughs> and Matt's comment, you can tell Joe is running this group by her use of GIFs or GIFs. GIFs. <laughs> Which I think I think just adds a bit. And I, look, I, the feedback certainly seems to be great that um, people are getting a, a bit of a feel for Team Good Brews Week. Um, that it's not just it's not just the you and me show. It's not just the you and me show. No. Yeah. Uh, speaking of you rather than me, I am glad also that um, in a photo taken at the Ecker last year that you weren't <laughs> stand, that you weren't standing a couple of inches to your left. Oh, yeah, I did comment on that. There was a, a photo. That seems to have become look at least I know that it's not a bad photo of me and. That seems to be the photo that the News Limited papers, any time that I'm quoted in anything these days, they just go to the file archives. Um, and that has become the default News Limited photo of me any time they need to dig into the archives. So if I die in embarrassing circumstances, um, and that's the photo that they pull out... Um, that's, that's the one that's going to be sitting atop your coffin. I'm, well, you know, if, if, if I ever die in a newsworthy manner, at least I know that that's going to be the photo of me. And I'm going, to, I'm going actually, that's not a humiliating photo, um, as opposed to some of them. But uh, So go back and, and have a look at that. Uh, Joe posted the, that particular photo on the 23rd of April. Um, Matt making headlines in today's Courier Mail, to which Matt replied, uh, buried on page 178 isn't quite headline, but uh, I'll take my fame where I can find it. Yes. Just glad my head isn't a few inches to the left. Otherwise, it, it would have it could have looked like I was spruiking crap beer. And just for those who are listening and don't want to join, and don't feel any obligation to join the uh, group if you don't want to, but uh, there's a big sign saying craft beer behind me, but my head is covering the T, and it's just edging to, to the F. And then if so it, it looks was, like craft beer. Well, yeah, if it was... But if general, you're a little bit further over, it, it would look like crap beer. Yeah, yeah. so it would just make the F turn into a P. <laughs> So, so just bob down next time, Matt, or just don't be so tall. I'm sorry. That's right. Anyway, I think uh, we've got the show. That, that, that's all for, for this episode, Prof. That is. We're well under 50 minutes uh, for this week. Well, look, you know, in a week where two public holidays fall and people have probably got much better things to do, uh, we're probably not doing a bad thing by cutting it short, although some people might complain because they might say, but Prof, we've got so much ex more extra time this week, uh, we could have had a longer one. Well, listen to it twice. Yes. At normal speed, Matt? At normal speed? At normal speed, yeah. Interested to hear. Do people... I want to know what I sound like. Um, At one and a half times because... Yeah, because I've just noticed... Chris Lukienko, we had an exchange with... The beer healer. The, the beer healer who listens... Was it him commenting on listening to our podcast, Prof? I, I don't want to presume... I think so, because, yeah, pretty sure he was the one who mentioned it and maybe think, oh, okay, yeah, I've seen that speed thing. Yeah. I can understand why you do it, because if I want to listen to Elvin El 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 and the Chipmunks, I'll listen to Elvin and the Chipmunks. Um, but I've actually started listening to a couple of podcasts, uh, particularly the more thoughtful and, and slow sort of ones. You, you actually put it on time and a half. You get through more podcasts in your week, but it doesn't sort of ruin the audio quality. Although okay. you I disagree. Oh, God, I, I, well, I, I would imagine I speak quickly enough that no one wants to listen to me at one and a half. No one probably wants to listen to me at all. They just uh, would rather fast forward through my bits and listen to you. I especially reckon, uh, yeah, when, when you um and ah a bit, I reckon you'd sound a little bit more like Dr. Evil or perhaps me, mate. <laughs> well, I think Joe takes a few of the um, um, ums and ahs. I need to, uh, but they're my thoughtful as, as I'm, because I give thoughtful answers. I give considered answers, Prof. I don't just sort of uh, crash out there with uh, 
garbage. That doesn't mean that the thought flanges aren't garbage, but I guess. But. And that's all we have time for this week. Listeners, thanks very much to Cryomalt, to Rolling Before Slave, you go, Prof, I'm looking forward labels. to you landing in Brisbane next week. Um, the very we're we're going to be roomies it's again tomorrow. For, for the weekend, yes. Yeah. Uh, for, for Gabs Brisbane, very excited to uh, to see Brisbane's first uh, roll-up of Gabs. Ha- hasn't that been getting a lot of um, attention in the media with Tim Tam beers and Zany beers? It has. And look, it's it's. I was lucky enough to have a sneaky pre-taste of uh, a beer that it will be re- released at Gabs that is almost quintessentially the opposite of all those sorts of things. And it was one of the most incredible beers I've ever had. Uh, so I can't wait to announce that once the embargo is lifted. Get your tickets. There are a few left, but yeah, it's going to be it's going to be bigger than the biggest thing you can think of. Yes. So get along. Uh, thanks very much, Matt. Thank you, Pete. Thanks very much, Joe. And most importantly, thank you very much, listeners. And on this particular day, Anzac Day 2019, most importantly, thank you to all those again who have served. And uh, we'll see you all again for the next episode. And we're out. See you for next episode. Yeah, I said see you for next episode. No, but it's a podcast, mate. (laughs) Well, you know, when you see it, you'll see it in your feed. You twat. Why you got to pick on that? (laughs) Listeners, readers, lookers, viewers. Yeah, well, actually, I I, I do call them. Punters. Punters. (laughs) (laughs) Punters, 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 punters. (laughs) There was only one last week, I noticed. That was you, wasn't it? Because I've. It I'm, was. I'm it was. trying to discipline myself not to say punter. No, see, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to pepper them. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of Australian craft beer. When Brews News cast and crew are buying online, we buy at Beer Cartel. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because beer is a conversation. 